This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI Audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you once again for another week of Tech Talk. It is lovely to be back in the studio. It wasn't uh, that hard uh, being in Las Vegas, I'll be honest, but uh, it is nice to be back in my little studio here uh, with my heating on and my fan running at the same time. Yes, I know I'm weird, but that's the Scottish way. Uh, Sean Priest is with me here as always. Hello, Sean. Hello, Stephen. It's good to have you back, I guess. Thank you. How's How's the shed? Oh, it's been lovely. You, you, um, no, it's just the same. You haven't missed anything. Well, it'd be cold at this time of year, I'd imagine. Oh, no, I've got my heating on as well. I'm not silly. Oh, well, you say that. Uh, listen, we've got a special <laughs> guest with us this week. It's not only uh, uh, the one and only Mark Aflalo from Double Tap TV. Hello, Mark. Lovely I'm the special here. guest. I was wondering. I'm like, oh, who's on? I wasn't told anything about this. <laughs> You're very special. Uh, I'm the special guest. Wow. Yeah. Well, you've not. You've only All you've got on. to do is abandon your co-host in Las Vegas for a week and you become a special guest. <laughs> well, uh, I love it. It also means we'd have to pay you. So that's generally how it works. Oh, oh okay, 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 okay. We know how to play this. This is well planned. Yeah, it's very well planned. See, we butter you up and then we take you down. Uh, yeah, listen, it's good to have you here because you were due to be in Las Vegas with me, but uh, you couldn't because you were um, pretending to be ill or didn't like the flying or what was Listen, my doctor told me when I asked this question and I moved my trip from Monday to Tuesday, I called my doctor and I said, he finally told me, okay, you have pneumonia. I'm like, okay, that's good. I have pneumonia. That's, that's. I'm like, can I fly? He goes, well, um, you know, if your oxygen is higher than 92, you should be good. Uh, but you don't sound like your oxygen's higher than 92 the way you're wheezing. I'm like, so I shouldn't go? He's like, no. I'm like, oh, okay, do you happen to know a film crew in Las Vegas? <laughs> and that's and that's when the I heard the dial tone. Ah, yeah, I was going to say, that would have been hilarious if it was him that found the, the film crew. That would have been pretty clever. That would be great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but great. we did get uh, a crew. Unfortunately not. We did get a crew, thankfully, who, who drove up from California I tell you, it was it was like living in some kind of uh, movie with this whole thing. It was unbelievable. A, a crew f- kept driving in from from the states, and oh, it was unbelievable. Well, yeah, well it, notice how they drove up. You know, that was an option. Driving was an option, Mark. I don't want to you know point anything. You, you know what? Okay, so I told my wife on Saturday. I'm like, how long is the drive from Montreal to Las Vegas? And we actually Googled it, and it would have only been three and a half days. Only? Oh, well. oh. But that's non-stop driving with someone who has pneumonia in the front seat. So, yeah, so. no dedication to the show? Then. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's a thing called commitment. Wow. <clears throat> how long is this show? <laughs> uh, too long, as most people tell me. Um, no, listen, uh, I, I'm, uh, are you feeling better now? Because I know people are caring about um, this. You know, I, I know I don't sound the best in the world. I, I this is kind of fun because I can I can bring my voice down to very deep levels, oh, which trailers. I could never do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, I know I'm feeling better, uh, th- thankfully. But had I gotten on that plane on the Tuesday, I probably would have been stuck in my hotel room the entire time anyway. So uh, it's a good thing I stayed home. Okay, here's the real question: How mad are you uh, that you missed CES? Because honestly, it was brilliant. <laughs> You know, it's hard because you were there. Yeah. I don't know, Sean, if you've ever been to a CES, but <laughs> um, they this is like 2.9 million square feet of of people exhibiting their stuff. Um, I'm sure plenty of people were very angry at Stephen because how dare he be blind and be walking with a cane? <laughs> oh, you, um, you don't want to believe, honestly, the amount of people who were... <laughs> 
dancing out of my way or getting annoyed yeah. that I was even there. You know, and I think it's one of those things, right? Because a few people have said to me uh, since I've come back, you know, how did you manage it as a blind guy? How do you manage something like that? And I said, well, simple as this: I've got a Jane, and Jane uh, took me round, and, and thankfully, and I do suggest everyone has a Jane uh, because you need someone to get you around these places. There's no way I could have navigated that on my own. I was, I mean, she had no idea; she'd never even been to the states before, so that was a problem. Um, and, you know, very excitable about it all, wanted to go there and, and help me as much as she could. But, of course, she's trying to navigate this as well. And even as a sighted person, it's an absolute nightmare. It's huge. Sean, you it hate is. it because it involves walking for a start. Oh, no. Crowds. Is it a lot of barging and pushing? Yes. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, no. Well, that's that's not me. So I, th- I think the summary here is that, y- yes, I'm I'm very jealous that you were there and that I wasn't. And I'm really pissed off that I wasn't there. <laughs> um, kind of. Yeah. Well, I don't doubt it because I know you were looking forward to it. And we, we, we were looking forward to meeting because the thing is, right, we do the show, uh, we do the TV show every week. And um, we just we, we don't get that often a chance to meet. And the last time we met, I introduced you to some horrific Scottish food. That's not true. We had Toronto. Don't forget, we we'll always have Toronto. That's no. Yeah, you're right. We had Toronto as well. But I think that yeah. the memory of of this bad Scottish food will probably. Do you want me to leave? <laughs> yeah. Do you mind? Do you have some nice, like, kind of violin music you could play in the background yeah, and beautiful, yeah, and have some hearts pop Give up me a and some bubbles. <laughs> Well, look, let's talk about CES because, uh, you know, there, just a chance to kind of reflect on it for the final time because, uh, you know, we've got our special coming up from CES on, when is it, February 4th, did we say? February, yeah, it airs February 4th, if I can edit it that quickly. Okay, so yeah, you've got all the work to do. I, I go and do all the fun, you got to sit there and assemble all. I'm so cruel. I mean, you think about it, I'm a really cruel person. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, we're going to have the you special on <laughs> February 4th, and it'll be on the usual time on AMI-TV 8.30. Absolutely. But it's so, going to be an hour long. It's an it's hour, hour long, long special. Exactly, yeah. So we're looking forward to that. So we're going to be uh, telling you more about that later. But um, Did you get guess, paid more because it was an hour? I didn't. I well, I, I, well, I don't know. You're the EP. You tell me. I don't know. I just, I just go mm. for the ride. I mean, look, I got to Las Vegas. I don't care. I had a great time. I did. I had a great time. Um by day three, after I'd stopped sweating when you told me you couldn't come. Not sweating as much as you, obviously, with the pneumonia. But, uh, you know, I, I was sweating for a while, thinking, I don't know how we're going to achieve this TV show. One blind man and a camera. Now, there is a show on its own. Um, a whole, a whole hour-long show wait, staring wait, at wait the ground. You're leaving out some very important details here. Because <laughs> there was one more person that was supposed to be there, Mitchell Whitfield. Of course, yes. Let's not forget and Mitchell that. was driving from Los Angeles with... Basically, the tripod, the lighting kit, um, basically everything we didn't have. So not only were you a blind man with a camera, you didn't even have batteries. No, that's right. So, yeah, this is the best bit, Sean, right? So he he says to me, now, okay, you can do this. We could just manage it. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, do you know what? We'll, We'll make this work. And I get my camera out, and I remember we don't have any batteries in the camera. So, so that's what I like about this outfit, the professionalism. <laughs> Isn't it great? So, I mean, honestly, so there I am. Uh, Mark is there on Amazon trying to buy batteries for a Sony camera. Um, and, you know, me trying to get them from the hotel lobby, which, by the way, takes about three months to get to. You got to, I mean, honestly, even considering going for a meal that evening, I thought, you know, stuff it, I'm not doing it because it's so far to walk to get to the reception, <laughs> to get to where the food is. Forget it. Um, but no, I got the batteries in the end. Uh, we, we got the batteries, never used them because, of course, the guys came up from California and they were fantastic. Uh, Andrew and Kyle were just amazing. So a uh, big thanks to them and uh, to you as well, Mark, because you were on the phone playing air traffic control oh, uh, for the whole... With the blind pilot, yes, With as the you blind said. pilot, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> 
So it was a bit of a nightmare, to be honest. Uh, but at the same time, it was it was also great fun. We did enjoy it. Sean, I think uh, you and I would probably have collapsed in a heap if we were on our own together there. I was collapsing in a heap just listening to you complain <laughs> about it. I mean, you know, this is a trip to Las Vegas. And you're... Uh, yeah, I understand there were some troubles, that's all. And when, you know what? Stephen even had an extra day because his flight was cancelled. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I had Mark's credit card, so it was great. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, just out of curiosity, and I know this is probably not the platform for this, but what exactly did you buy at Apple? What exactly did you buy at Uggs? And what exactly did you buy at Best Buy? (laughs) Well, I got an iPhone case. Uh, You know the one with the smart battery? (gasps) The really expensive one. I was going to say, what iPhone case is $300? (laughs) Yes, continue. So, iPhone case that's got the smart battery built on the back, very nice. There's a recall Uh, on those, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, marvellous. And uh, (laughs) wouldn't surprise me. And um, can we just say that was a joke? There isn't a recall, just in case. No, no, just yes, that's right. You just be clear on that. There's no recall. Uh, But yeah, in in Uggs, my wife, right? So I get on FaceTime with my wife, and she's uh, aware that I'm in a store called Ugg. Uh, now, I believe I'm not a fashion guy. All of us know that. Um, but she tells, she tells me that these bags that are on sale are the ones she's always wanted. So, of course, you know, hint, hint. good husband I am, mm-hmm. had to uh, indulge. And then I get to the till and uh, find out what price these bags are. And that's when I began to sweat again. Um, and so, pull out yes. Mark's credit card. Was that before <laughs> or after you, you sent me the text saying, do you mind if I use your credit card? That was stuff? before. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I think I was on the way to the till. When I text you, because I thought, this is going to work out expensive. I just know it is. Uh, so, yes, but it's all good. It's all good. My wife is very happy with them. She's very thankful. I'm glad to serve your wife. <laughs> yeah. We can okay. That slightly. Um, let's move yeah. on. So, um, let's talk about CES. I think that's what we're trying to do. Um, so, yeah, so one of the things I wanted to talk about, because we didn't get much of a chance to talk about this over the last episode for the last uh, two-hour show that we did, um, but was actually driverless cars. We didn't touch on this much. And um, that was partly because at the time of recording, uh, we were just about to go in and actually see all these driverless cars. So I hadn't had a chance to see anything or really kind of get hands-on on any of this tech. I will say hands-on is an interesting term here because they really don't like you touching stuff at CES, no. especially the cars. Um, so there I am with my hands all over this big vehicle. And um, a woman sort of approaches me very sternly telling me that I cannot touch this vehicle because, well, I don't know, she didn't really give a reason. But she said, you can't touch it, um, but I can describe it to you. And she said, it's a big truck. It's beautiful. Yeah, and it was. It was a beautiful big truck. Uh, blue as in the color of Amazon's um, Echo logo, I think, if that would be right. Um, if it's a blue, I, can't, I couldn't tell. But uh, basically, the point here was that this company, Rivian, had invested uh, or had had an investment from Amazon of a huge amount of money to make this car have uh, Lady A built in. So, you know, you get in the car, you start talking to the car, and bang, it's, uh, you know, talking away to you and, and wonderful. Uh, there's no bang, by the way. That, that would be oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Rather, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, what's the name of it? Rivion? Rivian, yeah. Rivian. Rivian. There's been a lot of talk about it recently since the uh, Tesla Cybertruck unveil, you know, how ridiculous mm-hmm. they say the design is. And there's been a lot of talk about these these other trucks. And the only thing that you pick out of, you know, it can turn on a dime. It's got tank turning wheels in this thing. But the only thing you pick up on is the fact that it's got Lady A built in. 
That's the only bit I'm interested in. I can't, I don't, I'm not going to drive it. <laughs> can you imagine, though? Can you imagine saying, uh, Alexa, drive me to work? Yeah. Well, that's well, the it's point. Not, it's, not, it's not a driverless car, though. That's the point. Not yet. It does have, now, Mark, you'll know more about this than me, but it's got level two autonomy. So I think that means you can take the hands off the wheel. Um, light touch, I think is what she said. You can have light touch fingers on the wheel and it will drive for you. Um, but it's not going to... It's not going to be able to drive itself at this stage. But they are clearly moving towards it, and this market, this truck market, and again, Mark, where you are, these these vehicles, which are just ridiculous in size. I mean, it's just it's an abomination, frankly, of science, uh, these ridiculously large vehicles that you, you're all driving around in over there. It, it's crazy. Uh, but I know people love them, and obviously they're very popular, so, you know, having all this, this wonderful, these wonderful features in them, is uh, what you want. Is that something you want to drive? You know, I, I used to drive a small car. I drove a small little Golf R. And it was it's to this this day one of my favorite cars ever. But you know what? As you as you get a family, as you grow up and you become a more responsible adult, you no longer want to drive fast anymore and you want to be able to hold more stuff in your car. So it, it does make sense and I think that's why the world is going that way because people have more families and they have more yeah. kids and you need to fit everything in your car. And how are you going to do that if you don't have a car that's larger than a, a small, you know, Volkswagen Polo? <laughs> yeah. No, he's right. Well, you see, everyone hates these. Oh, you know, and a lot of um, contempt about people who drive these four by fours and SUVs. But at the end of the day, it is just practical. It's convenience. Yeah. Getting as many people in as you can or as much stuff as you can. And it's just big and comfortable. Yes, it's like driving a small bus, but that's not the point. They're just practical. That's why they sell so many. But the thing for us is we're obviously looking at this from the angle of driverless vehicles. Now, Rivian wasn't the company to do that, but it did show what kind of tech is going in to the vehicles. Now, I don't know how good, and I'm often wondering about this, how good Lady A would be on the road. I guess, I'm assuming, it has to have some kind of SIM card in there on its own. A bit like Echo Auto, which isn't out here in the UK yet, but it is available yeah. in the States and Canada, uh, where you can buy Echo Auto. And it's, it's I guess that's some kind of Bluetooth device that connects to the that's, car. Exact, that's exactly what it is. It's basically just it connects to your car and it connects to your phone. So at the same time, you can you know get all the answers on your speakers. So it's using the phone. It's, it's using the phone to get the access to the internet. Unless right. of course, obviously, some cars have hotspots these days. Not a, not a really big North American thing. It's more a European thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just a way to get the access to you know that assistant in your car. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, there's lots and lots of these cars on show. Lots of electric cars. Nissan were there, or Nissan, as everyone kept calling it. I call it Nissan. <laughs> Depends how you view it. Um, but yeah, I, I call it Nissan. And um, it's a very interesting were, point you made there, Stephen. Thank yeah, you. I, I thought it's obviously a fantastic <laughs> it's really, idea. Really um, important too. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, but but they were showing off a, a t- now. What was it called? I can't remember the name of it. We're, we're going to showcase it on the program. You'll see it there. Uh, but it was a concept car. Again, that kind of. SUV kind of car, uh, but again driverless. This was a concept car from Nissan. Many, many of them. I mean, it went from the ridiculous uh, to to the kind of normal, if you like. So you had the ridiculous end, which were, you know, these big, big, almost. I I refer to this as a toaster with doors, um, because it looked like a big toaster, and uh, you had these kind of sliding doors, and you would go into this. It was essentially a taxi, right? But this was one from LG. Uh, they had this uh, from on show. It was their concept car called the Thin Q, and what it does is uh, it, it allows you to get inside. You've got seats, big comfortable seats in there, a 65-inch TV, 
and the ability to connect to your home entertainment system. So in a world where everything's connected, you can get in, you can be watching the game and at home, and then you, your car shows up. You get into the car, you say, you know, right, continue the game, and the game shows up on your 65-inch TV in the car, and meanwhile the car drives off down the street and takes you to wherever you're going. This is the bit that interests me, because although it might seem ridiculous, I think I don't think we're far off this giant toaster becoming a reality. And um, Can you stop I, saying I, giant toaster? It's, I mean, it, just, it just seems like a giant toaster to me. That's what it, That was my impression of this thing. Okay, look, that sounds amazing, by the way. But with all this stuff, but are you surprised that we're not actually the point that you made that you can't touch it? And there is, you know, a few um, actual demos of people driving around in these things, but very little. Are you surprised that now at twenty twenty, this isn't more advanced than it is? Um, I'm not talking well, about the technology itself, right? Because the technology has been shown off. Millions and millions of miles have been driven already by various companies. But I just thought that the actual products that we've got, yes, there was a lot of concept cars. Sony had a concept car there, although that was more to sell their sensors rather than actual cars. But Well, that's the point. I think that's exactly the point, that what you're looking at here is indeed a concept. It's not something that is ever really going to be on the road in that form. I mean, it may be similar in in the end, but they're not the hardware companies. These are LG, for example, are showing off their operating system that's going to go into these vehicles. So, And Sony are showing off the sensors, and other companies are doing the same. So what you're looking at, really, is their contribution to what this car could be and how it would work. But people don't People can't envisage that from looking at a sensor. Yeah, but why are we still envisioning? Why are we still imagining this tech? Because we've been told for so long. How far in front are Tesla? Yes, I mean, from a legislation point of view, they're not allowed to say it's um, you know self-driving. Is is it level two? You know, it's more of a driving assistant, although it can drive on its own. Um, well, I mean, that that car can go completely on its own, can't it? I mean, yes, that, it that thing can drive it can. itself. It can. It's got all the technology there right now. So. Why are we waiting? Why aren't we seeing lots because, of because these Because we're cars? scared. Because people are scared. No, no, I, I get, think I get really, that. I think it, why aren't the companies producing? Why are we still seeing concept cars is what I'm saying. Well, I, you know, I, I, we know the concepts from companies like Sony and LG are really just so they can say, listen, this is what we can do and here's how the practical use can be. Yeah. So that's great. You, you know, they're showing it to consumers so the consumers then ask for it, which then car manufacturers are going to kind of jump after, which is really cool. But I, I, it's it's concept because I think that we're just not ready for it. You know, we're just not ready for all these autonomous cars to be on the road because I'm ready. it's just it's not. Pro- I, I'm ready too. I think yeah, we're, but I think, we're in I a think very that's, niche. You know? That's the point, though, because I think there are a lot of drivers who are just not keen on this. And what you've got to do is you've got to kind of give them a bit of a tickle first, uh, you know, get, take them out for a nice meal, uh, you know, maybe a dinner, maybe okay. a bit of dancing, uh, you know, get them used to the idea uh, before you, you know, do the deed and uh, get the thing going. I, I know I'm taking this on a bit of a strange tangent. Vegas but- has changed you. Yes, it has. <laughs> what did you do that last day that you can't account for? Just to look at the credit card. Um, but look, you know, the point is that you can, you can really... Uh, you can't get people on side with this right away. A lot of drivers hate the idea of autonomous vehicles. Think about the people who might lose their jobs as a result of this. People, delivery drivers, taxi drivers, all these people who might be knocked out of work 
as a result of this. You've got to bring people on board. And that's why I think you see these cars beginning to show signs of autonomy with self-parking or perhaps the, the sensors assistance to help you park a car alone if you, yourself if you're driving. Um, you know, and all the other features are starting to come in gradually. We'll start to see autonomy creep in, but it's not going to happen overnight. Plus, you need the infrastructure, the legislations, and each country has to be sorted out. I mean, in this country, in the UK, we have the issue where we're still having the debate over whether or not these vehicles will actually be able to drive on their own without a passenger. Uh, sorry, without a driver in the, in the main seat. Uh, do you need someone who's able to take control of the vehicle? Now, of course, the whole point is that in the end, you don't need that. Uh, and I think that's probably why we're more likely to see these develop into taxis first. I think that's probably the quick route to getting these into people's minds and how they work. They already, I mean, these things already exist in some ways. You go to an airport, and in fact, in Las Vegas, one of the, the, the little tram that was outside, that was driverless. It just did its own thing. Um, and, you know, there are driverless vehicles on, on private land, and that's going to increase into airports, especially in London. And Heathrow and Gatwick, they're going to be using these uh, driverless vehicles to take you from place to place. Um, so I think there's there's definite movement on this. And I think by the end of 2020, we'll see more of this around. And once you get it into the minds of people, this is the norm, then it's easier for people to understand how it's going to impact on them. But I think the fear at the moment is over jobs uh, and their careers. If, for example, taxi drivers, delivery drivers, and bus drivers, truck drivers, think about the impact here of uh, autonomous vehicles on people. Uh, so, you know, you can understand why. I mean, as, for blind people, Mark, that's the thing. We're all like, yeah, 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 let's just get on with it because it well, means we listen, can Listen, I have, a, I have a friend who's a Volkswagen dealership, and he has told me that his 10-year plan is to get out of the business because he no longer sees people buying cars anymore because yeah. once you can summon an autonomous vehicle at command, you're no longer going to want to buy a vehicle. Why would you pay for the maintenance? Why would you pay to own that car when you can just summon a car to take you to point A to point B and back afterwards? Yeah, exactly. I can't, I can't argue with that. But there was another side to this autonomous vehicle uh, revolution uh, at CES that I thought was very interesting. Uh, and I did wonder if this would be on show, and it was. And it was from, um, i trying to remember the company, Toyota. It was Toyota that was showcasing this. And uh, this was uh, driverless Mobility scooters. Um, this is something we've talked about in the show before. Uh, you know, I think we had a, a conversation. In fact, I think we had an email about this as well, Sean, didn't we? About uh, we did. our comments. Not happy. On, Outraged. Yeah. What was the What was the gist of it? That we were. What were we criticising, or were we happy? I can't remember what I see. Well, I think what, what uh, I that you were praising the idea of a self-driving uh, wheelchair or mobility scooter in the uh, in the airport that could take us to wherever we needed to go without an attendant or whoever. And yeah. in the past, we had always said about how we hate it when someone comes up, we ask for assistance in an airport and they automatically bring you a wheelchair and you say no 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 i'm blind it's not you know i can walk fine i don't need a wheelchair and um the email that we got said they were slightly outraged by how we were praising this in one hand and in the other hand we were saying uh we don't need wheelchairs well and that was from ken in california i think so uh yeah explain yourself Stephen. Okay, fine. Um, well you know <laughs> i i don't like this because it's all about i i guess it's all about the interpretation of what disability is. People assume when you say disability that you're talking about a physical disability. Um, I mean, the, the symbol of disability itself doesn't really help that, does it? It's a, a person in a wheelchair. 
Uh, so, you know, when you talk about blindness and you talk about disability, don't, people don't often put the two together. Uh, so if you, if you ask for assistance and all through the flights through to Vegas from London, uh, from Glasgow down to London, then London over to Vegas all, and back, all those flights were with assistance. And on every single occasion, there was a wheelchair sitting waiting for me uh, because there was an assumption that, well, the person's disabled, that person will need a wheelchair. And only on one occasion was the person particularly insistent that I get in the wheelchair uh, because apparently the airport was so busy it would be quicker for them uh, to get me through the airport in the wheelchair than it would be to uh, for me to sort of try and navigate through with Yes, them. I've heard um, that as well. That's not an uncommon, yeah. and I don't think an unreasonable argument for using it, actually. I think that that's, I mean, it's all an individual. I know there's some very militant blind people out there who would hate me for saying that. <laughs> But I think the truth is that if it's easier for the person and if it's quicker for you to navigate through the airport that way, then so be it. Not that I would say it's, I'm a big fan of it because I don't necessarily need the wheelchair. But again, it's not really about the wheelchair in this case. It's about moving quicker. Um, so there's that. But I, I think that that's different to having the choice to go into the airport and use a mobility scooter. And again, I'm not really. Th- this is a different argument because I'm not talking here about me I'm thinking of people, this, this idea that if you've got a blindness or you've got blindness, that that's the only disability you're ever going to have. You know, that's it. You've had your quota of disability. On you go. Uh, your hearing will always be fine. And, you know, you'll always have great hearing and your, your legs will work fine and your arms will always work fine. Absolute tosh. You know, the truth is you, you could have mobility problems. I've met many people who've got mobility problems and sight problems, and their mobility is almost impossible because how can you use a mobility scooter or a wheelchair if you can't see where you're going, that creates a real problem. Exactly. I, I uh, do so think that was the... This is where this technology can, can make a difference. Uh, sorry, Stephen. I think that was the point that we were making on that on that show, actually, yeah. because you did have a little dig at me. Um, but it, it's true that, that you know... <laughs> not, that, not that you remember that. No. <laughs> but it, not that I think the point we were making, that these could be very handy for that specific reason. You know, you can be yeah. blind and have other mobility issues or other disabilities. So, yeah, I, I think they are a good idea. What about a shopping mall, right? You go around a shopping mall. How many people uh, do you see using these things? Uh, there were, the, the one I looked at from Toyota uh, had uh, obstacle avoidance in it. Now, that means, Mark, that when you're going around the shopping mall, no one's going to clip your ankles with one of those mobility scooters anymore because, you know, it'll get out of the way. Uh, so that's good for everybody. Uh, you know, but again, for someone who's blind, who wants to go out and navigate the world by themselves using a, a, a concoction of things, it's not just the mobility scooter. I can imagine, for example, Microsoft Soundscape, the app. Um, you know, I'm wearing the Bose AR frames now, and you know, with the integration of the AR built into the frames and the app working together, uh, you know, I'd, and and then of course, with, eventually, with indoor beacons, I'd be able to go through a, a, a shopping mall and know exactly every store. And if I've got mobility problems, I can sail past it in my mobility scooter, knowing I'm not going to hit anyone, knowing there's not going to be any difficulties moving around, and also knowing what's going on. It's a totally inclusive experience. So that's why I think these things are are great. I'm not saying that I am going to jump into one until, of course, I turn 70, because at that point, I'll probably be very old. I mean, I'll be fat and probably old and very immobile anyway, so I'll probably use them then. But at that time, not now. Uh, look, we'll take a short break. We're going to come back because there's lots more to talk about. Uh, we'll get into some emails as well. And uh, we're also going to be talking about FlickType, some uh, big news uh, about FlickType mm. and uh, the fact that they've dropped their uh, monthly subscription fee. What do you think about that? We'll uh, get into that next. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team, 
for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. Hey, Stephen Scott, I've got Sean Priest and Mark Aflalo with me here, and we're continuing to talk about the week in tech. Of course, talking about CES, it is imprinted on our brains now. And uh, if you want to know more about what happened uh, from the accessibility point of view, especially, and also to see me in a silly hat, uh, then you can <laughs> tune in to this very special uh, CES episode of Double Tap TV, February 4th at 830 uh, PM Eastern on AMI TV. Mark, we're uh, looking forward to that one. You are going to be in the studio and I'm going to be on the road. I yeah. will. Yes, I'm still sad about that, but I'll survive. Well, uh, we are going to look forward to that show for sure. It's going to be a good one. Uh, listen, Flick Type, you might have heard us talking about it before. You've certainly probably heard me moaning about it. Uh, not the app itself, but the fact that they had brought out a subscription model that meant that you were paying 99 cents a month <gasps> for the app. It's a disgrace. Um, so, so, Mark, just so you know, because I don't know if you know much about FlickType, but it's essentially another software keyboard, right, that you can get onto your iPhone. Yeah. Uh, and FlickType is very popular amongst blind people. I know Tim Schwartz, who's on the show with us regularly, he is a big fan of it. I'll be honest, I can't quite get my head around it, but I think it's because I haven't paid enough attention to it or given it the time of day that I perhaps should have. But, but driven by the fact that it's 99 cents a month, would you pay for a keyboard for your phone on a monthly subscription, Mark? This is, a, this is a hard question to answer because I've been through this process with many pieces of software, especially in the past couple of years. And, and the one that comes to mind is the Adobe Creative Suite, for example. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I used to own a copy of it, whether I, you know, acquired that legally or illegally. That's a different story entirely. Um, but I used to own a copy, and a lot of people who uh, owned versions were very upset and, and outraged, quite honestly, because they had to suddenly go pay fifteen, thirty, ninety nine dollars a month to access the software. But on the flip side of things, having worked within organizations like this, I understand that you need some kind of stream of revenue to be able to sustain it. Yeah. So ninety nine cents a month, twelve dollars a year to use something that I find extremely valuable, I'm on board with it. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I just I don't know. Part of me feels that <sighs> It's the thin end of the wedge for me because I, I think it's a Scottish thing uh, because you, you tend to look at it and you think, spending money, disgrace. But then you think, well, hang on, if it's 99 cents now, will it be 199 then 299 Is it going to start increasing in cost? And you know, I understand people have got to eat and I understand yes, these they have cost money. But, um, but yeah, I think a flat rate is, a, is the right no. way to do it. Perhaps pay for upgrades or unlock no. new features, but... No, you're wrong. Okay. Because look, uh, we just got so spoiled, you know. Uh, oh, what a uh, one ninety nine for an app? I'm not paying that. I want a free game. You know, it's all ridiculous. We've been so spoiled with the app store and the way the model's gone. Um, the developers need to make a living. Otherwise, what's the point? You know, it'll just ground to a halt. Otherwise, so I totally get it. Now, when it comes to models like Mark said, you know, the uh, Adobe Creative Cloud. Um, I don't know about that one. That seems to make more sense to me because you're getting more product for your money. When it's an on-screen keyboard, like the discussion we had when this was announced, Stephen, is well, what are you getting for that money? How much extra development yeah. is going into a keyboard? What extra features are you actually going to get? Um, so I do understand people's questioning of it. But at the end of the day, for the, the price point that they're asking, the 99 cents a month, I think it's well worth it. It did 
Well, it does. It works really well, and it does make typing so much easier and faster, especially if you're visually impaired. Yeah, and apparently it works on the watch as well, Ooh,、uh, well which I have never tried.、Mm, well, it used to. So that brings us onto the news, the latest update. So they have decided to drop the subscription model. Now that was purely、yeah. because Apple. No one kept- was buying it. No, 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 no. Apple <laughs> kept rejecting the app. So every time they did an update and submitted it to the Apple App Store, Apple would reject it and said the use of the subscription model for an on-screen keyboard wasn't valid or wasn't applicable. And they were having a lot of trouble having to go backwards and forwards with the guys at Apple to sort this out. So they were saying that this was taking too much time. It was taking away time from development, and that's when they said they would、um, change it to a one-off fee. And they, that was in November 2018 when they announced it. So you're saying you're saying they've been forced to do this? Well, not forced. I mean, it was still their decision. But Apple did seem to have a problem with having a subscription model for a on-screen keyboard. Now, I don't know what the reason for that is. Why that would throw up any problems? And in the post from the FlickType developers themselves, they did say we don't know why there's a problem with this. But all we know, it's costing a lot of time that we could use somewhere else. So for that reason, we're just going to try and get rid of this problem by having a one-off fee.、Um, and you know. They announced that, and they they asked the community what they thought would be a, a reasonable price. And I've got to say, the price that they came out with at two dollars ninety nine cents, I think, is actually far too low. I know, and that's coming from me. Well, I, I mean, I guess I would. Strangely, I know this sounds crazy, but you know, I know that the one of the suggestions at the time was that they would turn it into, say, a ten dollar a year subscription. Which essentially is just it's the same it thing. Yeah, it's the same thing.、Um, bizarrely, it doesn't feel that bad when you do it that way. I don't know why that is. I just I don't know something about the money coming off every month that just makes me feel weird. Well, but, I'm annoyed because I actually paid、whatever. for the year just before they dropped the subscription model. So hey, I'm slightly annoyed、well. by that.、Uh, <laughs> you can email them. I'm sure they'll refund you. I'm sure、yeah. they will. But you know what? I'm yeah, quite I'm、sure、happy to give that money. I put money into this. Flick type when it was called Flexi. That was a good few years ago, when it was announced that this is a keyboard specifically for the visually impaired, and they were looking for funding for it. And I paid ten or fifteen pounds at that time, as a lot of us in the visually impaired community did. And then the app was sold to another company and became totally inaccessible, and there was a lot of bad、uh, feeling about that. Obviously, now the developers have come back and they've apologised for that, and they said they've seen where they've gone wrong, and Flick type is their Uh, their new version of it, and it, the, the accessibility is going to be key. And to to their credit, they have interacted with us so much, and it's been fantastic. But on that note, okay, so yes, they've dropped the subscription model, which is fine. Two ninety nine, I think, is an absolute bargain for Flick Type as a one off payment. Yeah. With all that said, I've got some slight concerns, and that is to do with. Okay, so they updated it and moved to the one off payment. Absolutely fine, not a problem with that. But in the initial update, they took away the ability to use the Flick Type keyboard on the Apple Watch. Okay, but you know, if they feel they need to separate it, that's absolutely fine, because they did then release another standalone app specifically for the Apple Watch called、um, Flick Type Watch Notes. Again, haven't got a problem with that. It's got its own price again of two ninety nine. Fine, but that initial release. Was totally inaccessible,、yeah. um, and I that 
brings up some red flags for me. I don't like that. Yeah. I, again, it, I suppose it does make me sound like I'm entitled, but I really feel that this app has its roots, has its base in the uh, in, in the visually impaired community. And, of course, it's got mainstream appeal. It's a great keyboard. But I just feel that we've got more of a, a connection to it from a funding it from the very beginning, from the, I, I don't know, whatever the reason is. Um, and to have that initial release of uh, FlickType watch notes to be totally inaccessible... Um, that brings up some concerns for me. Let's not forget that accessibility, I believe, is key when it comes to this Flick-type app. Um, now, with all that said, let me say that in the uh, a very recent release, they fixed that. It is now accessible on the Apple Watch, that, that Flick-type notes uh, app, but it still has problems. I can't get the hard press to work, uh, which you need to do to, I'm assuming, to save notes or send us a message or whatever. The actual keyboard itself works fine, but uh, there's still issues there. For me, it's still not really accessible. So, yeah, I, I think we do need to be very careful, or at least the developers need to be careful. It's a great app, and we love it, and it's got a lot of love in the community. But let's not forget that accessibility. Um, let me also say that the FlickType app for iOS also, they did put back the um, Apple Watch support. So you can, if you buy the one, you don't really need to buy the other one anyway. Um, but there are some issues with the uh, FlickType on the Apple Watch at the moment. Yeah, it seems weird, especially because you guys funded it in the first place, right? Mm, yeah, that's well, exactly. the problem, though. This happens all the time. You know, you get these apps that are, you know, and this is the problem because, again, any app that's mainstream that isn't built specifically for a blind person, you know, it, it, one update can just throw the whole thing off. We saw this with Amazon. I mean, Amazon happens too fairly regularly. Uh, you have a situation where, you know, the app is brilliant, everything's great. I noticed it with the Lady A app in particular. Um, yes. You know, you'd have this problem where you, you, it was all working fine, then you get an update, and you weren't aware of the update because minds do the, the refresh themselves, which I probably shouldn't do considering these problems. Um, but, you know, the fact is the Apple update in the background overnight, and then you get the new version in the morning, and it's not accessible. A button was unlabeled or isn't available or whatever, and it's just a complete pain in the neck. So, you know, this this will happen, but you would expect that something that has been you know, paid for essentially by the blind community would work. Uh, and I think the Apple Watch support, although I don't really understand how you can type on an Apple Watch, that's beyond me. It works amazingly well, let me I say that. I was, I just I was, my mind was blown. It works really well. And look, I may be overreacting to this. It may be a case of, you know, it was an oversight or whatever, and I'm quite willing to give the um, developers a uh, a break on this. You know, it may well, bigger very... I know. Well, I'm good like that, you know, because they do yeah. care exactly what I, my opinion is, obviously. Well, obviously, yeah. But I know they, <laughs> but, they do listen. They do listen to the show because we've had emails from them before. So, you know, guys, obviously you're working on it. Uh, you can let us know if it's uh, if it's going to be uh, something that, you know, we need to be concerned about or whether, you know, Flick Notes is going to be fully accessible going forward. I imagine it probably will be, if I'm honest. Yes, I'm sure um, it will be. What about Windows 7? We've got to talk about that because essentially now, what, two days ago, um, that was it. Uh, that Windows 7 support came to an end. Um, so, you know, I guess the question is, uh, for anyone who's sitting there thinking, I maybe need to upgrade, or maybe this is the moment, I think the answer is you kind of just have to get on with it now. You've got to get on to the Windows 10 bandwagon. Now, here's a question for you guys. Is 
I know a lot of people hang on to older software because there, a, there's a comfort level of changing and there's a comfort level of being where you're at. But when it comes to Windows 7 compared to where we're at today, is there anything about Windows 7 that the blind community might want to stick with it? Is there compatibility issues or does it make sense to make that jump to Windows 10? So it's an interesting one. I think it kind of goes back to our previous conversation about flick type, right? So, you know, you, or even when we talked about the apps that are inaccessible, if you've got something that works for you, you don't want to change that. And especially in blind world, because, you know, a small change can mean a massive change, uh, you know, even in the sense of just the, the placement of things, where things are on the screen, um, maybe uh, keyboard commands have changed. Uh, of course, the start menu would be different. Your ways of navigating would be different. And, of course, that's a whole new thing you have to learn. Now, for most of us, uh, not us techies who are really into this and want to try all the latest features and all that, but for anyone at home who just wants to go online, check their email, you know, do a bit of searching on Google or whatever, uh, you know, they don't want that experience to change. So that's driving it in particular, what one particular area that's uh, that's driving that. Also, if you've got all your screen reader settings done and it's all working for you, you don't want to go through the hassle of having to go through all that again with a new operating system. And does that mean you might have to upgrade your, if you're using JAWS, for example, you might have to upgrade that. How much cost would that be? So there's lots of reasons why people might not want to jump onto the Windows 10 bandwagon. Uh, and, and I guess, you know, blind people generally, and I, I can only speak generally here on this one, but I, most people I meet, and certainly I'm like this, I think you're the same, Sean, you know, we like familiarity. We like things to be what they were yesterday. And, um, you know, it, it, Windows 10 feels like it's changing all the time. There's always something new in it, something changing, something added, something taken away. Whereas with Windows 7, it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know about you, Sean, but that's that's my general impression of it. I, I loved Windows 7 for that reason. Well, we just love what works for us. And, you know, Windows 7 did work really well, as did XP. I know still people oh, yeah, that yeah. use XP, surprisingly Believe enough. Or not. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know what? It is time. There, there's no getting away from it. It is time to make that update. Now, the only reason I can see not for um, upgrading to Windows 10 is that maybe, as you said, Stephen, Jules. What version of Jules is it that... that that starts working with uh, Windows 10? Or is there a version? I actually don't know. I'm going to have well, to look into that. It's 17 and 18 are really the kind of ones that start getting into it. So if you're on 16 or 15, you're probably not going to be able to do much with it. I, I think it was 17 was the one, the sort of crossover one. 18 yeah. was the kind of first official. This Because remember, you had the issues not just with Windows, but you had the issues with Windows Edge as well, the uh, browser. So, well, that's the thing. I don't know where we're at with that at the moment because Edge is now basically Chrome. Edge has been totally thrown out and rebuilt using the Chrome engine. So Microsoft Edge now is okay. Still not quite as good as Chrome, in my opinion. But, no, you know, I basically agree. it is Chrome. Um, and Windows 10, the accessibility problems we had with its initial release, they're, they're ironed out. I don't see any major accessibility problems switching to Windows 10 other than the screen reader you use. NVDA works absolutely fine with it. That's the one I use. But I know lots of people are still using Jules 12 or 11 or 10. Oh, well, you can't upgrade if you're using that. You and then can't. if you're using that, are you going to come into issues? And of course, if that is the case, then it's more of a consideration. But other than that, you've got to think about 
upgrading now because you are at risk. You've got no software support. So you're not going to get any more security updates through Windows Update. You're not going to get any more technical assistance. I don't know how many people actually use that. I never have, but no, I know <laughs> it's good to have it there. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're going to be more at risk for phishing, for ransomware, malware, because you're not going to be as protected in the future. If you're using it right now, don't panic. Continue using it. It's still going to work exactly the same. You probably won't even notice a difference. But Windows Update will no longer give you any updates. Well, so, that's, a, that's a good point, though, isn't it? Because it's not going to change. The experience no. isn't going to change. It's not like a message is going to pop up on your screen and say, OK, that's that. You'll need to buy a new computer tomorrow. Uh, well, actually, yes, the messages did pop up on the 15th of January saying support has now ended. But that was it. It's yeah, just it's telling not, you that support tell, you, has, to, you don't have to go and buy a new machine. No, you don't no, even no. have to upgrade. But the point is, for your own safety and security, uh, you, you probably want to think about it. Because, look, I guess I, I keep thinking back to you know a guy or a girl sitting at home right now with Windows 7, and they're sitting there thinking, yeah, but what, what's going to impact on me? You know, somebody decides to hack into all these computers, it's not going to affect me. But the point is that if a virus gets out there and is only applicable to, say, a Windows 7 machine that they can now hack into, yours might be caught in the, in the sweep. And that's the problem, that your data is more at risk because you're in that small group of people who have this device or running exactly. this operating system. So you've got to really think about that. Windows 10 is not a huge uh upgrade issue I, what i will say is that the uh, upgrade assistant now is fantastic uh, and also the whole even if you start from fresh fully uh, spoken using narrator <laughs> you can decide whether you like that or not but um it does work cortana <laughs> as well will even guide you through it although that's terrible have you experienced this mark did you did you notice this in your windows 10 upgrade you had cortana barking at you um you know what it barks at me when i go for the setup yeah, but it doesn't it, it, it's 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 it gets out of the way pretty quick. Well, you can shut her up, which is great. Uh, you can hit the button, and that that silences her, so that's good. Um, but then, of course, if you want that additional information, because all she but does, it's, is but she... it's not bad to have. I'll be perfectly honest, because I do a lot of setups. Like when people send me tech to review, mm. I'll set up a Windows computer kind of off to the side. Yeah, and I leave her on so that I remember when I have to go back and do things. And it also walks me through the whole process. So it's actually, it's quite handy of a tool, wh whether you need it or not. It's really good. I and totally it's not a agree. blind thing. It's not a blind thing. I mean, it's, it's not, not at all. No, not at all. No. And Which let's be great. honest, it isn't an accessibility thing because it, it doesn't, you still need to use the keyboard and look at the screen for the odd thing. It's not a totally yeah, see, this, this was an argument I had with someone from Microsoft on the show, on, on my UK show a, a couple of years back. Someone was saying, oh, it's great because, you know, what you're able to do is you're able to set up the whole machine using Cortana and you don't need to be able to see. And I said, absolute tosh, rubbish. Yes. <laughs> because the truth is it'll say to you, what, uh, what language do you want your keyboard to be in? That's it. And you're like, okay, well, what's the options? One, two, three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. But it's, obviously, it's presenting a list on screen, whereas what Narrator does is it adds on that information. It tells you one, two, three, whatever. So you get that extra information. So, you, again, the setup process, you can set up a machine using Narrator, although it is pretty terrible, uh, generally. It's fine. It's, it's all right, but nah, it's, it's okay. You, hang on. You were saying how great Narrator was, and we should yeah, all switch oh, yeah, to yeah. it Look, not long ago. It's as, fine. As a, as, a setup, as a setup process, not so great. As a screen reader, Ugh. it's okay. That's what I'm saying. It's fine. And look, Cortana just helps you hang along. On, for, hang for on. The... It's so good 
Yes. What what are you using again? NVDA because it's better uh-huh. as a yeah, setup yeah, yeah, tool yeah. because you can't use a screen reader during installation of Windows at no, all. I know. So b- the option to have narrator there and it works absolutely fine during installation. It's great. So there you go. Yeah, there you go, Mark. That's it. It's so great. All right, Mark. You try it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. so great. Yeah, you try. I'll, it. I'll be right on that. Yeah, I'm right on that. That's okay. <laughs> Second, we're done here. I promise. <laughs> now look. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Uh, getting Windows 10, that's the question. Is, is, is it still... Because there's a bit of a debate around this, right? Oh, God, I can't even figure... You, you know no what? one wants to I've say. Had, I've had machines where I've had to buy the license. Yeah. Do you know... I, I still, to this day, couldn't tell you where to go to buy one of those. Well, you can get... Their own from, website is like... It's, it's, like it, it's insane. You can buy them, but I they're know, ridiculously... I don't know where or how or... But they're so expensive as well. Um, and, of course, the, the thing is, can you, with our special disability button get them for free still because <laughs> no. there was a button on the website for a while and there let's was. be honest everybody on earth was using it everybody was disabled for a while um as they were all upgrading to Windows do you 10. use assistive tech yes i, I do i'll I take that box Thank don't you. know what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but apparently there is still a way that it works and I, I i don't know if that's i'm supposed to say that or not but look i don't work for microsoft i don't care the point is that <laughs> there is apparently a way you can still get it legally that's, and that's no, the point. Yeah, it's, not it's, not, it's not even a mystical, woo, hackerish way to do it. It simply still activates. If you it's update magic. Windows 7 yeah. to Windows 10, it will automatically uh, activate in most cases. Now, the thing is, people don't, doesn't, people don't want to say, oh, yes, if you upgrade, it's going to be free. Because we're not sure why Microsoft are still allowing this to happen. We don't know. You can install Windows 10 from scratch without activating it, and you still get all the features apart from the personal personalization features and changing the theme. But it still works absolutely fine, and it's not going to throw you out. Hang on, does it, work, does it work the whole time? Because uh, I, I've had mine time out and basically say you're not running a genuine version anymore, uh, and it keeps harassing you until you actually buy a version. What, in, in a Windows 10? In Windows 10, installation. Yeah. Well, you see, that's the thing. That's why people are so hesitant to say, yes, yes, it works, because I know lots of people where it's still working. I know people that have upgraded from Windows 7 to Windows 10, and uh, the activation has passed. Maybe turn on the accessibility features and suddenly it'll just start working. <laughs> it starts working, yeah. Play the blind yeah. card. Yeah. <laughs> but look, there's a key point here, because you're saying yours is classing as non-genuine, which means that you would have had a product key gone in there at some point? I I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so let's see you did. And uh, <laughs> so you got your you, it's coming up and saying it's not real. So that's that's one that's why that'll be the case. But the ones that we've installed, the ones I've installed, they are fresh installs from yeah, Microsoft, okay. right? So they they've had no product key. Um and all it does is it tells you it's not activated. And that's it. It doesn't seem to do anything else. But my worry is that at some point it's going to either hit you with a well, you know, you've got to activate now and, you know, pay this amount of money or it all stops working, and that's not much fun. Yes. And, you know, now I'm starting to realize why all these people sitting in Windows 7 are saying, yeah, yeah, we're fine. We'll just stay here. Uh, we don't need this hassle. It's all, it's all good. I think they should scrap the whole thing, if I'm honest. I am sick to death of this nonsense around paying well, the, for all There used to systems. be that workaround for activation too, right, where you just call in the number and they ask you how many PCs you have it installed on. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you know... Yeah. I'm, I'm scared to talk. I don't know. I mean, he's I don't know having a maverick. He's gone rogue. Someone throw him out. Oh, well, listen, before we throw him out, uh, he, he, we can't do it now because I need him to read some emails for us. Um, so, Did you send them to me yet? I did. I sent you to them a the message. Have you got them there? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
I'm, I'm never not, trust I'm not a prepared person. for this. It's I'm just not terrible. prepared for this. Oh, the professionals are back in time. <laughs> was yeah. that a chat or was that an email? Oh, boy. That was a message. Uh-oh. My message. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'll be prepared. I'm sure I will. There we go. Okay. Sorry, guys. Oof. We got there. The good thing is we, <laughs> we can cut there. this out in the edit. Yeah, did you enjoy it? Why I cut it out? It's more fun to be exactly. here, you know? I agree. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it out. I was just uh, saying that to be nice. So, so how do you want me to do this? Do so you want to read through the email and see what we're going on here? Do you yeah. want to stop at the end? Okay. Well, well, let's just go uh, rogue. Pierre Boudreau. Oof. Hello, guys. Oof. On January 9th, Double Tap Canada, you talked about the program that could make us make web pages accessible. What was it called? Pierre. Ah, now was that the one where we talked about facility or we talked to the company facility? Um, That's right, yeah. So that was Facility, which is a French company. Yeah. And it's, it's not actually a program. It's, um, it's a subscription model. <laughs> I know how we love them. Um, but <laughs> if you do run a website or own a website, you can uh, get in touch with them and they will um, tailor make really a, a piece of code that will alter the CSS, the style sheet of your website to give you um, various accessibility options and make it more readable for screen readers and people with dyslexia and, and loads of other disabilities and, and reading problems. Yeah, it um, wasn't so, just for blind people, was it? It was for anyone. I mean, no, especially no, not those with dyslexia. It was really important for them to, to make sure the, the website was readable. Uh, but, so... But- I think it's important to say that this isn't just a program or a WordPress plugin that you can install. This is no, a no. service that you would subscribe to. Yeah, well, I hope that helps. And if it does help as well, the word facility ends in an I, not a Y. So if you're searching for it, it's facility with a Y. Sorry, an I at the end, not a Y. <laughs> yeah, that didn't confuse you at all. Right. No, not at all. Hope that helped you. Uh, right, what else? <laughs> uh, Brian Gaff writes, guys. The radio over here in the UK seems to be having a lot of fun with the latest home automation gadget at CES today. It apparently alerts your devices via Bluetooth when the loo roll is about to run out. Obviously cutting-edge tech. I was going to make a lot of toilet jokes here, like, you know, getting to the bottom of the mystery, which family member never puts a new one on or something that would be silly like that. Uh, They should clean up if the market is right. Um, But it did get me to think what smart home tech would really be useful. What we need is a robust way to mark each of the many wheelie bins we all have for recycling these days. I originally tried Pen Friend, but that was not practical due to the orientation and weather issues. Never mind dropping the device in the bin. I then went to old school and used cheap cable ties around the hinges in different configurations. These tended to break off when emptying the machine. I currently, on the drill pattern of holes uniquely in each bin, which is working, but can be a pain when they put them back on the wrong way around. My ideal solution, of course, would be to embed a tile on each one, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. So, things that are needed. A decent robot lawnmower for lawns that are not bowling green style. Example, bumpy, <laughs> irregular, and often wet. By the way, there's, there's stuff out there. Uh, smart clothing, yeah. capable of spotting busted seams and holes before they become an embarrassment <laughs> out of doors. Yeah, you should see the socks I have. Anyhow. Uh, a, a tabard or other wearable which the user can show messages on to gain people's attention when you need help or to alert the sighted that uh, that you have a white cane or are not the pole vaulting champion of downtown suburbia. Okay, interesting. <laughs> a device to... <laughs> don't you like the color commentary? A device to inactivate all electric bicycles within 50 yards of you. I'm in yes. on that, by the way. Uh, alternatively, all cycles have to be Bluetooth triggered 
with a horn installed so you can come within range as they honk to let us know they're there. I love these. <laughs> this is great. This is These are awesome suggestions. Yeah, Brian's got to, Brian's got to do CES next year for sure. He's got to go with a list of, of ideas. Um, can you imagine in the LG booth? You should do this, this, this. And by the way, you person over there, honk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, and meanwhile, the guy's trying to show off a, a giant toaster that, that's got a 65-inch TV in it, and it's like, hang on a minute, you know, we've created this, guys, you know, can you just, you know, this is rubbish. Good, no? Yeah, absolute nonsense. Get me a bike that honks. Um, listen, we've got lots more CES talk coming up on uh, our February 4th episode of Double Tap TV uh, with myself and that guy, Mark Aflalo. Looking forward to it, Mark. Hello. And uh, we'll uh, have lots more talk here on Double Tap next week. Don't forget the podcast and check us out on uh, our website, doubletap.online, for all our stories we're talking about here, plus lots more exclusive content, especially from CES. Uh, do check it out for that. Mark, thank you so much for coming on. We look forward to seeing you on the next Double Tap TV with me. My pleasure. And Sean Priest from the Shed of Love, as always, Oof. thank you. Thank you, I think. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. <laughs> Bye. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.